So today we are going to be giving you an update on the Eliza Fletcher case as of today, which is Sunday, September 4th. Um, I have been keeping Austin up to date on everything. He did listen to the last episode I posted. And then, I mean, he knows I've been on my phone like religiously since this started. She's like like breaking the story better than anybody else, to be honest. Thank you. I mean, like Kelly's obsessed with this, you guys. So she's on her phone 24-7, like breaking out the most up-to-date up-to-date info on stuff which every time something happens you're like this yeah that's true every time i mean it's often when something a story breaks like this i try to stay on top of it but um if you want to stay up to date go follow us on instagram it's mama.mysterypodcast on instagram and that um we'll give you more timely updates yeah On there, I have a story dedicated, uh, like a highlight dedicated to this whole story. And I post my stories religiously as quickly as I can. So to stay up to date, you can go check that out. So anyway, again, yesterday I got on here to discuss the abduction of Eliza Fletcher. She was abducted on Friday, September 2nd, while she was on an early morning run. She left her home in the 4 o'clock hour and never returned. And after she was reported missing, police obtained surveillance from the area and they were able to capture video of a dark vehicle later identified to be a GMC terrain approaching Eliza and forcing her into the vehicle before driving off. Her water bottle and cell phone were found smashed nearby. So this morning we woke up to news that that an arrest was made in the case. Cleotha Abstin was arrested and charged with especially aggravated kidnapping and tampering with evidence. His brother, Mario Abstin, was also arrested on separate charges not relating to this case, but on charges of possession of a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony, convicted felon in possession of a firearm, possession of a controlled substance with intent to manufacture, distribute, and sell in regards to heroin, and then that same charge, but in regards to fentanyl. Not good. Complete Um, dirtbags. Did you say on the last one, I can't remember, did you talk about what happened 20 years ago with this guy? Not yet. I'm going to on this one, though. I don't believe I I discussed it. I don't think we knew because we didn't even know he was arrested until this morning. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So, according to the arrest affidavit for Cleotha Abstin, on Friday, September 2nd, at around 6.45 in the morning, Eliza had still not returned home from her run when a nearby resident found Eliza's phone smashed lying in the street, along with her water bottle and a pair of Champion brand sandals. So around 7 a.m., Eliza's husband, Richie, called police to report Eliza missing. And I guess this neighbor that found the items brought them to Richie, like brought them to Eliza and Richie's house. Oh, I didn't know that part. So I don't know how he knew that unless maybe he recognized the background of the phone or what. But Or maybe, I, I have no idea. I would just be <clears throat> speculating on that. But... After he found them, because he found them at 645, and I just thought that was interesting, because then at 7, her husband, Richie, called the police to report her missing. So police were able to quickly locate surveillance video that showed Eliza on her run, 
And then as she's running, she's being passed by a GMC terrain, a dark colored terrain. The terrain was seen passing Eliza and then coming to a stop and waiting for her to run back by. And once she got closer, a man got out of the terrain, aggressively ran up to her and forced her into the passenger side of the vehicle after a brief struggle. The struggle was apparently violent enough for the man to lose his shoes in the fight. And then he left those shoes at the scene. The vehicle then sat in the parking lot for about four minutes before driving off. Worth noting is that the 24 minutes prior to the abduction, the same vehicle was seen in the area as if maybe he was casing the neighborhood or waiting for someone to attack. The same day, police took the slides, the sandals, to the TBI to be tested for DNA, and they were able to find a profile matching that of Cleotha Abstin. So since Cleotha was, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, Cleotha, Cleota, I don't know, it's a weird name. I don't think he really deserves any respect anyway, so. Yeah, so anyway, he already had a criminal record, so his DNA was listed in CODIS, and that is why investigators were so quickly able to find a match. And his DNA was already in CODIS because in 2000, Cleotha attacked a man named Kemper Durand, or Durand. Kemper was walking to his car after a party at about 2 o'clock in the morning when Cleotha walked up behind him, pulled a gun on him, took his wallet, and then forced him into the trunk of his own car. Cleotha then drove around for a couple hours, picked up a few of his friends, and then drove to a Mapco gas station to force Kemper to withdraw cash from the ATM inside. Luckily, a uniformed Memphis Housing Authority officer walked in, and Kemper yelled that he had been kidnapped. So Cleotha and his buddies ran off, but they were eventually found arrested, and Cleotha pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 20 years in prison without parole. He served his time and was released in July of 2020. So he wasted no time. Right, to do this again. Gosh, like, and real quick, not to take away from this, but imagine how scary that situation was. Mm-hmm. Like, you get forced in a vehicle, in your own vehicle, and then these people are all huddling around you trying to get you to withdraw money and you scream. I mean, that's a scary situation right there. Yeah, terrifying. So once police got this matching DNA profile, investigators sought to discover where Cleotha was at the time of the abduction. And they were able to recover surveillance video of him wearing those same champion brand sandals the day before the abduction. They also figured out where he lived, and the utilities in that home were registered to a woman named Gwendolyn Brown, who was also the registered owner of a black 2013 GMC Terrain. Then investigators found his place of employment, and when they talked to his manager, that person confirmed Cleotha's phone number. So they traced that phone number and found that it was near the abduction site where Eliza was taken at the time of her abduction. And they did all of this in one freaking day. I was going to say they, (coughs) excuse me, I was going to say they worked fast on this whole thing. If it weren't for the fact that his DNA was already in CODIS, it probably would have taken a lot longer. But because he was a career criminal, I think that helped in their in their search for who did this. So yesterday, the day after her abduction at about 1045 in the morning, the GMC terrain was located by U.S. Marshals at an apartment complex in Memphis called the Lakes at Ridgeway. 
The terrain was backed into a parking spot, and Cleotha was found or was seen standing in the doorway. And when officers started to approach the vehicle, he was watching and he tried to flee, which ended up resulting in a car accident between the terrain and an ATF vehicle. And at that point, Cleotha was taken into custody. So police interviewed Chantel Anthony, and she said that the morning of the abduction, around 7.50 in the morning, she saw Cleotha at his brother Mario's house, and he was aggressively cleaning the carpets in the terrain with floor cleaner. She also said that he was behaving oddly, and that that was corroborated by Cleotha's brother Mario, who was arrested on those drug and firearm possession charges. Mario said he also witnessed Cleotha scrubbing the carpets of the terrain and washing his clothes in the sink of the house. Later, a dumpster from that complex was towed away and taken by police. And I'm assuming it's because the cleaning materials materials he used were probably thrown in that dumpster. You made like this, I think this was you that like kind of put this together, but I thought it was pretty sharp. Like the fact that he was probably going to run and so they T-boned him? Yes. So in the pictures That's from what the appears. accident. Yeah. yeah. They're on our um, Instagram page. But the pictures show extensive damage to the rear passenger side of the terrain. And then front driver side damage to a Ford Edge that was apparently in the ATF vehicle. Which ATF, I didn't realize. I knew it was something to do with law enforcement. But it stands for alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. So it was an ATF vehicle. Because a lot of people are like, ATF, you mean ATV? No, I don't mean ATV. It was a Ford Edge. It was an ATF vehicle. So anyway, because of the damage to both cars, it looks like the Ford Edge T-boned the terrain, probably in an attempt to stop it from running. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a like sharp observation because I was like, man, what are the odds this guy gets in an accident as he's leaving with a cop? Mm-hmm. And then if you look at the damage and stuff, you kind of put two and two together and it's like, yeah. oh, and they probably just took him out just so they didn't have to deal with lighting him up and seeing if he doesn't stop or something. Right. Yeah. They were already onto him. So according to the surveillance video of the actual attack, the altercation was so violent that police believed she suffered a serious injury. And that also because of his behavior, cleaning the car and the clothes, that she likely lost a lot of blood. And as of right now, Sunday evening, it's 7.07 as we're recording this, Eliza has still not been found. Last night, a McDonald's employee recognized the clothes that Eliza was last seen wearing, which was like a pink sports bra and purple bluish running shorts. And they were in the McDonald's dumpster. And police were called to that area, including the dumpster. Like they... There was pictures and videos shown of police and investigators just surrounding that area, investigating it thoroughly. So there was obviously something to that. It hasn't been confirmed by media or police that clothes were found in the dumpster. But the thing is, with this case being so viral right now on social media, there's been a lot of people who are broadcasting from their own personal accounts. So you're getting a lot of like boots on the ground type of reporting from people who have nothing to lose or gain by telling us what's going on. So like yesterday, there was a couple women in the apartment complex or yeah, it would have been yesterday in the apartment complex where they found Cleotha. So they were 
like some of them were live streaming, posting pictures, talking about what was going on. And the comment section was just getting flooded by people who were asking questions, wanting to know what's going on. Cause this was like the most up-to-date kind of stuff you could find. I was actually, I don't say this to brag. I literally was one of the first to comment on one of the ladies hoping that I could get some like inside information from her or some sort of answers but it instantly garnered like over a thousand comments. Like she was just bombarded. It was wild. When Kelly was sending it to me, it was like this whole center the apartment complex was just packed with cops, unmarked, marked. Yeah, SWAT I mean, was, team. And like, there was rumors going around that they were going to serve. They were going to search every single unit. Yeah. So some of the residents in the apartment complex said that they were going door to door trying to search every unit. Mm-hmm. So her family recorded a video pleading for help in the search of Eliza, and they were begging for her safe return. Michael Keeney, who is Eliza's uncle and an attorney, read the statement for the family while her parents, her husband, and another relative, I'm not sure who that guy was, but they all stood at Michael Keeney's side. And they all looked exhausted, shocked, totally distraught. And I've seen, yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of people attack the appearance of Eliza's husband, Richie, because in the video he's kind of fidgety and he's actually the only one who appears to be crying. And a lot of people on social media are suspecting him of having something to do with this because I think it's natural for people to suspect the husband. I thought it was weird that he went private on, on, on all of his social media so quickly after this happened. And I think more often than not, it is the husband. But as we learn more details from this case, I begin to lean more towards the theory that this is just a random attack. However, get this, Mike Keeney, the uncle of Eliza who read that statement for her family, is an attorney who works with Kemper Durand, the guy that that Cleotha attacked in 2000. No way. Yeah, Kemper Durand is, is an attorney. Just got the goosebumps. No way. Yeah. He is an attorney who works in the same law office. Insane. Well, they're going hard on that guy then. Well, and some people have suggested, like, what if this is some sort of act of revenge on Cleotha's part for putting him away for 20 years? But in that case, why go after Kemper's colleague's family? Like, that doesn't really make sense, except I guess there is a lot of money involved. Like, we talked about in the last episode, she is the heiress to a billion-dollar company. But I don't know. That just seems like a really far reach for me to really put a lot of stock into it. I still just believe that this is just a random attack from a bad dude that is probably high on heroin or fentanyl that he got from his brother. And he's mm-hmm. just a piece of shit garbage human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this case is crazy. Kelly and I, we went for a walk today and we were talking about just how like this could happen to anybody. And I know it sounds cheesy, but like, being aware of your surroundings not saying at all that she could have helped it Mm -hmm. right but it's just crazy i mean it's just nuts how this stuff happens i don't know i want to point out that these random attacks albeit rare do happen and we've covered the case of molly tibbetts on episode 32 molly was attacked and murdered while she was out on a run in brooklyn iowa in july of 2018 Vanessa Marcotte, we haven't talked about her, but she was murdered while she was on a run in August of 2016 in Princeton, Massachusetts. Karina Vetrano was attacked and murdered while she was on a run in New York City in August of 2016. One that comes to my mind, and not for humor, but go back and listen to the case of Sherry Papini. Because that one, I brought it up to Kelly and was like, 
Like that one chick. And then we were talking about it. I keep coughing. Sorry. It's okay. This episode about Sherry Papini. Mm-hmm. Like if you haven't heard that one, go listen to it. I do not it. think that's what this is. No, no, no. Not at all. I, I'm not saying that. Yeah. It's just interesting because it's such twists and turns. And that story goes like a 180 from what you think's happening. No, I don't think this has anything to do like that. I have had people message me, though, saying that they initially thought that there were similarities to the Sherry Papini case. Cause, so Sherry Papini was out for a run and was allegedly abducted and held captive and then returned like on the day of Thanksgiving, and it turned out she made the entire thing up. Don't tell anymore. They need to go listen to it. <laughs> go listen to it. It's nuts. It is nuts. It is a whirlwind. Yeah, it is pretty wild. Um, Sierra Joggin was also another story that we covered. Um, she was killed on July 22nd of 2016 while she was riding her bike home from her boyfriend's house. And I was so, I'm just, I'm pointing these out to say that these things do happen and it's not always, I know it often is the husband, but it's not always the husband. And this isn't, I'm pretty damn confident, aren't you? The more I learned, the more confident I am that he didn't have anything to do with it. And I think it's just sensational. And that's why people grab onto that theory. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. I just I'm leaning away from that. So I was scrolling on Eliza's Facebook page and I noticed a post where she was asking her friends for some true crime podcast recommendations. Perhaps she has listened to stories like Molly's, Sierra's, Karina's, or Vanessa's, and never in a million years imagined that she would be the subject of a true crime episode on a true crime podcast. And it just goes to show that things like this can happen to anyone, and you never think it's going to be you until it is. And I know a lot of our listeners are runners, and I know this case is hitting home for a lot of you. And a lot of us can relate to Eliza because she's 34. She's a young mom of two boys. She's active in her church. She's a teacher of young kids. She is one of us, you guys. And I know the outcome here doesn't look good, but it's not over till it's over. So please keep praying for her. And just some tips for safe running. If you can, run with a friend and try not to run alone. Tell someone where you intend to go on for your run. Carry mace with you if you can. If you have a key, hold it in your fist with the sharp end of the key sticking out between two fingers so that if you have to land a punch on someone, the key does some extra damage. Stay alert. Run without headphones so you can hear what's going on around you. Don't always run the same route. Change it up so if someone is following you and keeping track of your schedule, your your routine won't be as predictable. And trust your gut. If something or someone seems off, call 911 immediately. We will be back with updates as they develop for this case, so continue to listen. I'll try to post them as often as possible. Follow us on Instagram. That's where I post most frequently. Until next time. Mama. Mystery. Out. Bye.